Our reading this morning is from uh, the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 to 21, and then 42 to 47. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We all hear declaring the we're all sorry, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Those people are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming and great and glorious day of the Lord and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray as we start to look at this passage together. 
Lord, we thank you that you are here by your Spirit. You are living amongst us. We ask that you would inspire and guide us through what we learn from this passage today to apply it in the lives in the places you have put us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So happy birthday to us. Congratulations as well as happy anniversary. Um, so as uh, Brian was saying earlier, some people refer to Pentecost Sunday or Whitson as the birthday of the church. And we must be getting close to 2,000 years old now. So some of you are clearly using very good anti-wrinkle cream, well done. Um, but it doesn't mean the birthday of us as individuals, it doesn't mean the birthday of the church here at St. John's, or even the Church of England, or even the older Roman Catholic Church, or any other denomination. In this case, the church means what the smallish group of disciples who were part of that first Pentecost established all those years ago, and what it's grown into, and what it continues to grow into. It's the worldwide church, sometimes called the body of Christ, the millions of people who every day decide they want to base their life on wanting to follow Jesus. But today's reading reminds us that it didn't happen because one person or a committee or even a, a parliamentary group decided that starting the church was the right thing to do next. If we read the Gospels, we see that the kind of people Jesus spent lots of time with, which are often referred to as disciples and apostles, they weren't really the kind of people who were terribly likely to start something new that would still be going and growing almost 2,000 years later. They had been astonished and delighted when they discovered that Jesus' death on the cross, which they'd been so devastated by, wasn't the end of the story, and that God had raised Jesus from death. But that wasn't the start of the church. Over a hundred of them had been there to witness Jesus leaving them and going to heaven to be with God, but that wasn't the start of the church either. After that, lots of these first disciples went into a big room somewhere and spent lots of time gathered together praying, but even that wasn't the start of the church. Jesus had told them that he had a job for them to do, but they weren't able to get started on it until he gave them the go-ahead. Then, on the day of Pentecost, which is one of the Jewish harvest festivals and a time when they commemorated God giving the law to Moses on Mount Sinai, everything suddenly changed. Jesus did send that promised Holy Spirit. This meant that they weren't relying on their own resources to tell people about Jesus and live lives which showed that they were wanting to follow him. It meant that they could witness to him in very upfront, articulate ways, in some cases, and in much more everyday, normal life ways, because the Jesus, the same Jesus who had lived beside them on earth, was now able to live in and amongst them through his Holy Spirit. Now, we usually use that word witness when someone has seen or heard something, and they need to share that information with other people. So it could be reporting something to our teacher at school, or to a police officer, or in a law court, to make sure that the people in authority can make good decisions based on what really happened. Or it could be that we want others to know how amazing something was that we experienced. Anyone who was at Westminster Abbey for the coronation a couple of weeks ago, earlier this month, will I'm sure have told lots of people what it felt like to experience all that pomp and circumstance. And if things go well at Wembley tomorrow, there will be several people in the church who will be able to tell us that they were there and they will try to put into words quite how amazing that was. Before going back to God the Father, Jesus had told his disciples that they were going to be his witnesses, both close to home 
and much further afield. But several times he told them that they wouldn't be doing that in their own strength, and he would send the Holy Spirit. Now, I hopefully have four glamorous assistants dotted around the congregation. I'm going to try and grab the microphone and come to you and get you to read for me. Okay. So who's got number one on their bit of paper? It's Edward first. <laughs> John 14, 15, 17a. If you love me, keep my commands. And if I ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Thank you. You number two. But when he was in the holy, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Thank you. Number three. <laughs> John chapter 7, 38 to 39. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit, whom those he, who believed in him were later to receive. Thank you. Number four. Luke 24 to 49. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on the high. Brilliant, thank you. So we know that the disciples sometimes struggled to understand what Jesus had told them until well after the event, until something else happened. So they probably looked back on those verses, those things that they'd heard, and thought, oh, that's what he was talking about when they actually got to Pentecost. So he didn't expect his early followers to be able to do the job he'd given them without his power. But from the day of Pentecost onwards, that power is suddenly available to them, and then they can get started on the mission that he has given them. These pretty light bulbs up here are designed to make church brighter as well as looking very nice. But they don't do anything without electricity. Once Keith flips the switch for us at the back and the electricity can flow, then they're able to do what they were designed to do. The power source that we are designed to be running on as followers of Jesus is the Holy Spirit. In the baptism service, one of which we had last week, we're all called to shine as lights for Jesus in the world, and we can only do that if we're plugged into the Holy Spirit's power. Peter and the other apostles needed that power to help them to start spreading the good news of Jesus in Jerusalem and start building bit by bit what would become the worldwide church. But not all of us are called to that kind of ministry, so why do we need to be open to receiving the Holy Spirit's power? Well, last week when we were thinking about ascension in the extreme group in Sunday school, we thought a little bit about what it might mean for us to be involved in God's mission. So I'll start with some of their ideas and then move on to a couple of others. Brian told us about his, Rachel, his daughter Rachel, who is using her medical skills as well as talking to people about Jesus way across the other side of the world in Papua New Guinea. 
And Bev spoke to us about the way God used the words of a particular worship song to encourage her to travel to the children's home in India to share God's love there. We also thought that we could invite friends to various events at church and maybe sending Christmas or Easter cards which had pictures and verses that actually reflected the fact that the celebration was something to do with Jesus. It could mean being friendly to someone who always seems to be a bit left out or lonely. We might ask God to help us to see and use opportunities in our school or where we work or amongst our friends and families or with the groups that we're involved in during the week where we can show love to other people and talk in a simple way about the fact that Jesus is really important to us. We could be involved in trying to protect the environments and plants and creatures of the natural world because we believe that it's all God's creation and that part of our calling is to act justly. And some people are particularly good at welcoming others as they join the church family. So there are loads of things which we can do and we may have some natural gifting for, but when we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll be doing it much better for God. We'll be able to do all of these things and many more when we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit rather than our own strength. One of the particular things that the Holy Spirit enabled Peter and the other disciples to do on that day of Pentecost was tell people about Jesus in their own native language. Some of you here might be particularly good at languages, some of you might not, but it's probably not a gift that all of us have. But a lot of of people we spend our time with speak the same language as us, but probably have little or no experience and understanding of Jesus. So I wonder what other ways the Holy Spirit might help us to share the good news of Jesus in a way that the people we spend time with will best understand, even if it's the same language. So, contrary to popular opinion, you have not been given a shark, a jellyfish, a dead fish, or a tulip. You've hopefully been given a little flame of yellow, orange, or red as you came in, and you might have a bit of of, uh, pencil or pen round about your person. So... Just before we finish and move on to the next section, we're all going to take a minute to think about what aspect of life it might be that God is nudging us to start or continuing to act in, in the power of his spirit. There might be something you're already doing, you want to pray for God's Holy Spirit to help you with. It might be that you're wondering what the next step for you is and you want God's guidance in that. So if it will help you to remember to pray, then you might want to draw or write something on the flame-shaped piece of paper and keep it with you when you go home. So I'll give you a minute or so to do that, and then we'll pray.